Welcome to the What Dreamers Do podcast. I'm your host, Carla Gover, an Appalachian musician, flatfoot dancer, mama, creative, and dreamer from Kentucky. I'm on a mission to inspire others to realize their dreams and live their most creative lives. Grab you a mason jar full of sweet tea or something a little stronger and pull up a chair because it's time to get your dream on. Hey there, Dreamer. I'm back with you again this week for a short holiday episode. I've had a lot of family activities this week, and I hope that you've had a lot of fun stuff going on as well. And I'm also getting ready to head out of town for a couple nights for my sixth anniversary with my sweetheart. We are going to the beautiful Cumberland Falls of Kentucky, and I'm looking forward to that. But I didn't want to leave you guys without any kind of podcast or story or communication this week. So I thought I would share a little story as well as information about a beautiful project that I've been privileged to be part of this month that is also going to be raising some money for the tornado victims in Western Kentucky. So I'll start by saying that at this point in my life, I am what I would consider more spiritual than religious. I was raised in a very fundamentalist church and religion in Eastern Kentucky. And I deeply appreciate the spirituality that my family raised me with and that the, especially the women in my family modeled for me. But I've kind of forged my own path and identify more now as spiritual than religious. So I say all that as a preface because I'm going to be talking about my mother and grandmother who were both very religious Christian people. And I'm reminded of a phrase that I've heard, you know, seen embroidered on plaques on walls, but it says something to the effect of character is how you act when nobody's looking or character is how you act when you know you won't get caught. And my mother and my grandmother were both very beautiful examples of people who really lived their Christian faith in a way that I didn't even fully appreciate when I was growing up, how generous they were, because I was so used to their level of generosity and acceptance and welcoming of strangers and friends and neighbors alike into our home. And I was reminded of this story because this morning I was talking to my son, who was pretty young. He was only seven when my mother died. But he just made this passing comment about how kind she was. And I thought that was a very interesting and sweet thing for him to remember because my mother was an extremely kind person. She was a school teacher. And one of the things that I remember most that strikes me now when looking back on the things that she would do for the people she loved in her community is that often she would bring kids home with her from school that were her students, you know, maybe she would just bring them home and they would eat supper with us or we'd all go get pizza. And I used to wonder, you know, why, why is my mom bringing these kids home from school? It's kind of annoying. You know, I just want to be with my family. And I realized in retrospect, it's because, you know, she just wanted to feed them. She just wanted to take care of them, wanted to give them some attention. And she knew what it was like to grow up 
poor without maybe always having enough food to eat. So I was thinking about that. And then I had to think back to my grandmother, who also very much lived the belief of taking care of everybody, especially feeding everybody, and what an important way of loving people, feeding them is. So my grandmother, she was born in 1898, and she was of the generation that would have a few poems to recite. So if you'd be at a party or you'd be at somebody's house and you needed entertainment, everybody would take turns reciting their pieces. And she had several of them. My grandmother really loved poetry and verse. But one of her big reciting pieces was called The Master's Coming. And it was all about this woman who heard the master was coming and she wanted to get ready to entertain this divine visitor. And she spent all day cleaning her house. And during the course of the day, three different people come to her door and ask for help in some way. And she turns them all away because, of course, she's getting ready for the master to come and visit. And then at the end of the day, she finds out that the master must have visited somebody else's house. But when she asks him, he says, I came to your house three times, and you turned me away each time. She loved that poem so much, and she recited it many times throughout my childhood. She also lived by that. She lived by those words. One thing I really love about Granny is that pretty much she regarded everybody as her potential children, grandchildren. I could have a friend over or... We'd have some neighbors visiting, and she'd say something like, well, he's not mine, but I'll claim him. (laughs) And that attitude of just the more the merrier was a part of her, the very fabric of her being. And I strive to emulate her. I don't know if I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not as generous as she is, but it's a beautiful example to have in her and my mother. And I'll share one more little story with you that... My aunt told me, my great aunt, my grandmother's sister told me after my grandmother died. And of course, I always knew that my grandmother was generous, like I'm saying, but my great aunt told me this story that I'd never heard. So my great aunt had moved to Florida and her husband had become very wealthy dealing in real estate. They were just very humble country people from the holler um, and they went to the right place at the right time. Well, it's probably a another whole story, but I think my Uncle Elder had to leave town. Not sure exactly the details on that. Maybe it involved a gunfight. <laughs> but anyway, he wound up in Florida, and they did very, very well. Made a great fortune in real estate in, I think, the 20s and 30s. But even though they had all this money, my great-aunt Lizzie would ride the Greyhound bus back up to Clay County, Kentucky, to Oneida, to come visit my grandmother and all of her children. So my grandmother had 11 kids. And as you can imagine, even though they weren't necessarily all home in the house at the same time, because the older ones were moving out as the younger ones were still being born, it took a lot to put food on the table. And my grandmother and grandfather basically just farmed. My grandfather was a preacher, but that does not really pay a lot of money. Uh, An itinerant preacher that doesn't necessarily have a regular congregation or regular church. So they didn't always have a lot of food. And, you know, my mother had told me about that, and I knew about that. 
But my great aunt Lizzie told me this story about my grandmother. She said, there was this woman that lived down the road. And I can't remember the euphemisms that that Aunt Lizzie used, but it was something to the effect of she was a woman of ill repute, you know, perhaps a lady of the night. And I, I honestly don't know what the truth is, but she had a bad reputation in 1920s rural Kentucky. So that probably wasn't very hard to do. But apparently she was not always able to feed her children and maybe wasn't always there. Perhaps there was some neglect going on. And my great aunt Lizzie said that many nights when my grandmother was fixing dinner and setting the table, she would set places for that woman's children. And so in addition to all the kids that my grandmother had of her own that she was feeding, there would be these extra kids there. And so the the beans and the cornbread and the taters or whatever they were eating had to stretch even further. And my Aunt Lizzie said, I asked her, I said, Ollie, how come you trying to feed these that woman's children when you can't hardly even feed your own? And she said, my grandmother just told her, I believe that's what the Lord would want me to do. I can't hardly even talk about it without getting choked up, y'all. My grandmother had many favorite Bible verses, but probably the one from Matthew was one of her favorites. And that's the one that the poem referenced. The poem would end with, In comforting not the least of these, you have failed to comfort me. And of course, the verse from Matthew, I don't remember the number, but it says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. My grandmother lived by that, and that leads me perfectly into the little announcement that I wanted to make. I recently was privileged to be part of a live show called Happy Holidays. It features artists like My Morning Jacket, Ben Solee, Daniel Martin Moore, Sonora May, Silas House, and Jason Kyle Howard, Yanni Vozos, Fernando Moya, myself, my daughter Zoe Barrett, Arlo Barnett, Heather Summers. So many talented artists came together to create this series of live shows and also put together an album featuring artists from the show as well as lots of other artists from across the state. This album is full of new releases, B-sides, rare cuts, live recordings, and things that you won't hear anywhere else. It's over 50 tracks. And right now, you can buy it for download on Bandcamp. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. You can also find it at my Instagram at Kentucky Carla and also on my Facebook page. But I'm going to put the link in the podcast show notes, and all proceeds go toward Western Kentucky tornado relief. We had some really devastating weather in Kentucky, and the tornadoes absolutely destroyed uh, the town of Mayfield. There was a lot of damage in Bowling Green and several other counties in Western Kentucky. And these people are going to be rebuilding for a long time. It was it was a really big disaster, and so this is our way as artists of helping out, of contributing to the relief effort. And so it's a win-win for you because you can go download and get a bunch of awesome music and know that the money that you've put toward that music is going to go straight to the Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund. So thanks so much for joining me for this little (laughs) 
inspirational, hopefully inspirational story. And it's just on my mind. We all need to be good to each other. And I'm going to try to remember that everyone I come into contact with is a representative of the divine and somebody who's worthy of my care and concern and regard and kindness. And I hope you all have wonderful holidays, however you celebrate it. I hope that you get to relax and unwind and be with people you love, not just for the holiday season, but all the time. And I'm so glad that I get to connect with you in all the ways that we do through music, through dancing, through this podcast. Please feel free to send me a message anytime. I'd love to hear from you. And until next week, have a good one and keep dreaming. This episode of What Dreamers Do is sponsored by the online Appalachian Flatfooting and Clogging Academy, the only course of its kind and the most comprehensive step-by-step program available for dancers learning this style. I teach beginning and intermediate students the steps and skills they need to dance to traditional mountain music so that they can be confident, joyful dancers and improvisers. Unlike others who just teach the same handful of steps or who just teach routines, I give you not only a bountiful library of steps, but a framework for understanding how the steps fit together with the music. Learn more about the Academy and get started for free with my video tutorial, The Three Essential Steps for Appalachian Flatfooting and Clogging. Visit www.carlagover.com today. Contain